Hello, my name is Philip Miraton, and today we are going to have a conversation beyond science and religion. Breaking new ground in thinking, exploring the outer limits of what we know about the world and ourselves, unhindered by common beliefs and perceptions. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion, taking on subjects from the Big Bang, the multiverse, and evolution to the supernatural and the new rising consciousness. This is where scientists, philosophers, New Agers, and spiritualists come together to discuss where this world may be heading. Now, here's your host, lawyer, philosopher, and the author of The Heaven at the End of Science, Philip Meriton. On last week's show, we talked with an atheist, Sandra Sneed, who during a period of deep emotional trauma found herself in a dialogue with God and who then became a devout believer, if not knower of God. Our guest on this week's show is Dr. Robert Rose, who's an atheist whose life experience and education has taught him that atheism is the best standpoint on the God question. He is a 50-year veteran of teaching from first grade to the university level. He is known as an innovative maverick who always asks the why question. He has many articles and books explaining his philosophies, theories, and techniques. He's a pioneer in individualization, new age techniques, and classroom management in which he has found ways to reach most of his students by giving and receiving mutual respect. He's also the host of the radio show, Rewiring Your Brain, and author of many books, as I said, including Godless and the Good Life. Welcome to the show, Dr. Rose. It's great to have you on the show. Good to talk to you again, Philip. And uh, I should add that Dr. Rose was kind enough to have me as a guest in his show. Boy, it was a year or two ago. But but it, it's uh, it's nice being on the other end here, so I could put you on the hot seat. <laughs> <laughs> but first of all, let's let's get going with this atheism question, which is let's first define what you think atheism is. Well, I think that the after you know, like you said, all the books that you read and. You know, and, I, and I've read, I read them too. And then I take a, a magazine called Free Inquiry that's uh, developed by uh, the secular humanists. And the, the only thing that I, I say now about atheism or atheists, the only thing that we really share totally in common is that we don't believe in God. Now, I know a lot of atheists, uh, like Victor Stenger, you know, he wrote uh, a book about God or why God doesn't exist. And his argument, uh, what he calls falsification, frankly, Philip, I, I, I didn't really understand it, or else uh, maybe I understood it and just couldn't believe it made any sense. It sounded like a semantic game. My, my philosophy, because uh, uh, as I've told many people, my wife believes in God. Uh, she walks with God. She has God in her heart. My uh, seven kids, uh, uh, two of them were Jewish. Uh, about four of them were uh, uh, Catholics, and then uh, three were uh, uh, kind of evangelistic uh, Christians. And I love all these people, and, and I see how the, the conception of God uh, just makes their life better. And they're all good people. They don't use uh, their religion to pound somebody else on the head and force them to uh, to believe it. So why would I you know, argue for the fact that there isn't any God except for myself. And uh, it, it, it makes me comfortable, but I don't try to force it on somebody else. And despite Victor Stenger's uh, efforts and Dawkins everybody, I don't believe that you can either prove or disprove God. So where does that leave me? It leaves me the idea that we, whoever we are, whether we're religious or atheists, we, we need to, to look at ourselves as human beings, very fallible and, and very, um, very vulnerable. Uh, I, I, I think that uh, much of religion comes from the enormous feeling of insignificance that human beings, if, you, if you're thoughtful at all, have to feel. I mean, when you look up at the, at the so-called heavens, you know, or look at the sky, and then when you read about how enormous everything it is, how can you feel anything but insignificant? And so I feel that everything that we do 
tries to overcome that feeling of insignificance. And also all of our, all of our um, uh, social institutions that uh, develop us, um, the way they, they each, each, each one controls us. Uh, like, for example, when I went in the Air Force, I had a really nice head of hair. <laughs> and first thing they did, you know, they, they cut your hair in front of a mirror and I have to admit, Phil, I, I just, I got teary-eyed because I thought, my God, what are they doing to me? Yeah, there goes your identity, right? Yeah. There went my identity. Yeah. And I think that's what happens, you know, in schools and universities, happens in families. And so we're always scrambling to, to feel good about ourselves or else why would we even do anything but commit suicide? Well, I think, I, I, I think that right now in, t in today's age, and we, we are we are developing many of the same themes that have been with us throughout history. The question of God's existence, as you know, is one of the big mysteries throughout time. We know that from, from, from Thomas Aquinas, Aristotle, Plato, all, all the you know, thinkers thousands of years ago has debated the question of does God exist. And today, I think we are, we are in what I would call a schizophrenic mindset in many ways because we have modern science. We have a couple of things happening here in my mind. We have, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say there's three trajectories. We have modern science, let's say, led by uh, Stephen Hawking and Richard Dawkins. Both of those guys are atheists, and, if, and, 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 and I'm not denigrating them in any ways, but there's no doubt that Richard Dawkins, anyone who writes a book called The God Delusion, I don't think there's any doubt that <laughs> that he's an atheist. And then we have Stephen Hawking, who is who in my mind is the most famous scientist on the face of the earth. Right. And and, and he, he of course I think he had an article in Wall Street Journal, something about why God did not create the universe or something like that. And his whole book, The Grand Design, is essentially an argument in favor of the multiverse, this notion that there's trillions of other universes, in favor of the multiverse and against God. At the same time, we have this, I would call a backlash against organized religion, which would be people that aren't, aren't uh, finding a lot of, of, of residence, of, of, of attachment to the old age rituals of organized religions. And at the same time are pursuing many of these quote-unquote new spirituality kind of modes of belief, say, say the Deepak Chopra way. And so, and so to me, you know, we have, these, we have these multiple trajectories, and I think what's different in, in our age today is, is, is the declining interest in organized religion but many of these people are not turning into atheists. They're turning into some kind of, I, I, you know, without maybe new spiritualist is a better word than new ager. What do you make of this trend? I take it you've 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 noticed the increased attention to new spirituality, all this new consciousness and stuff. What do you make of that? Well. You know, uh, you said you read, I know you read the book, Godless, and you know that my feeling about uh, how I became an atheist is not based on an intellectual thing, but based on what I say is emotional. And I, you know, and, and I've had so many neuroscience uh, scientists on and, you know, psychiatrists and psychologists, and we talk about, you know, what happens with the brain and the mind, you know, and and, and and what you, the word you used uh, earlier was mysteries, and, and the same thing I feel about uh, you know a lot of the scientific uh, discoveries. Uh, I don't think they give us a whole answer. And when when I'm you know being so-called under attack by people, and they say, "How do you explain such and such?" You know, because there's holes in in the evolution. There's holes in the big. You know, every one of them have holes in them. You know, there's something that isn't yet explained, and and so I I say, well, you know, I I can't explain it, and I and I don't feel I even have to be defensive, because minds like Hawkins and you know that uh, you know that are, are I mean Hawking that that is so much greater than mine, and they haven't really I don't think have figured it out, so why should I worry about if 
for me to figure it out. And, uh, and so I live with that. But I recognize that there is uh, a lot of the people that I talk to, you know, talk about energy. And then I feel very comfortable about talking about energy, even even after death, you know, that maybe that there is some energetic thing that happens in your and and the word that you use, you know, spiritual. That maybe there is some kind of spiritual thing that uh, that goes on and and has maybe identity. Because I think that's what we really worry about. We don't want to go to nothingness. I mean, we, as I said earlier, you know, we feel insignificant. We're made to feel insignificant by so many things. And 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 to think of dying and then going back to the yeah. after spending a life trying to feel significant and ending up insignificant. That's 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 a really burden. Yeah. Well, and, what's that? What's that? Uh, who was it that said uh, if God did exist, man would have to invent him? I think that was Nietzsche. Uh, which 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 goes which is sort of part of the story here, because as you're saying that even even in the the standpoint of atheism, and and we we I need to drill down and define that term a little bit more, but even even from that standpoint, uh, and even if you're Stephen Hawking, or, you know, Albert Einstein wasn't really an atheist, although I think that he, he did reject the organized, uh, or the organized religion or the orthodox conception of God as being a heavenly father, uh, you know, a bearded guy in the sky kind, yeah. of, kind of God. But, but even, even from that standpoint, I mean, I think you put your finger on it, science leaves us with so many mysteries, and and I fear and 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 you know you mentioned them and, and my my own book the heaven at the end of science is about those mysteries that's what the book is about essentially about how science is so far actually far away from putting it all together and we could talk about the big bang the laws of nature dark matter dark energy evolution on and on and on but the point is is that there's so many big mysteries that remain and I find it it's sort of risky business to circle the wagons and say, well, science has it all figured out, and so um, now let's just go home and and uh, conclude that that God doesn't exist. You're you're coming at it from a little different perspective because yeah. I don't think that I don't think that's your syllogism. I don't think I think you're you're saying something else. So why don't you why don't you explain what you mean by that it was an emotional it's an emotional decision by you as opposed to an intellectual one. Well, and I think that everybody, uh, the only people that are, I think, that are atheists um, intellectually uh, is when maybe both parents are atheists and, and the person is raised as an atheist and is given all the information. So it doesn't have to be in an emotional, uh, of course, I would, it'd still be an emotional because you're following in your parents' footsteps. Right. So it still has some emotional base. But with me... Uh, and you know, I, th I think it's in the book there. Uh, I was I was really happy with, and I really loved the idea of God when I was really small, as as a young, uh, you know, up till I was about seven years old. My grandparents, uh, especially my grandmother, were very very influenced. Uh, my grandmother was really my main figure in my life, more than my mother and my father. We lived upstairs from my 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 grandparents. And my grandfather had a, a, a soda pock factory called Twang Beverage. It was covered an acre of land and he had 15 trucks. We were, uh, you know, yeah, I'd say, you know, upper middle class young. or something like yeah, that. Like a good so, yeah. And, and, and our, our, the synagogue was just a few houses away or spaces away from us. And we'd go to the synagogue and I'd sit between my, my grandmother and my grandfather my grandmother was a very, uh, I'd say, obese person, and uh, <clears throat> but she was absolutely beautiful to me, and I loved her desperately. And then with her sitting there and me and the grandfather, and the sun shining through the uh, stained glass window, I, 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 it was a perfect world for me. You know, I just right. and and God was my grandmother and grandfather believed in God. You know, they were very orthodox. They prayed every day and. He, he used the talus, you know, and all the things, you know, and, and kind of like the Catholics do, you know, where he repeats over and over the something, you know, some right. mantra. Right. And, and I was very happy. But uh, after she, she died when I was seven, and my grandfather went bankrupt, and, I, and we ended up living in Madison where um, 
uh, we lived across from uh, the railroad. Well, actually not across. There was a gully between us and the railroad track. And so it went from something to really almost nothing. And, uh, and, and, I, and, I, and I was, uh, that's when I found out that everybody in the world wasn't Jewish. Mm-hmm. And it started with uh, the, uh, you know, having learning how to fight and, and stand up to everybody. And, you know, and I got, like I said, I got to be really a good fighter. But it wasn't the uh, physical pain that hurt me when, when these kids called me things, you know. I felt my top of my head to see if I had horns, you know, and told me, you know, I'd kill Jesus and things like that. It, it was the emotional, you know, that somebody didn't like me, and, and I hadn't done anything to them, and I, and I didn't know why the people would treat me that way. So as a kid, I was very puzzled. And, <clears throat> and, and, and I lived in almost a total... Um, uh, Catholic uh, neighborhoods, and so what happened to, to have my friends, I actually took on their beliefs and uh, uh, about Jews, and, and uh, I was one of the few Jews, that I, I was anti-Semitic. Wow. So, uh, I, I first began to reject the religion, you know. I still didn't uh, reject God. I mean, God still was part, uh, part of my life. I, I didn't pray or anything like that, and I never went to synagogue. But I still, you know, felt that I was Jewish. But eventually, uh, by the time I got to uh, uh, high school and everything, and I was an athlete, and then people seemed to really accept me, you know, for me. But then I still heard, because, uh, quote, I wasn't Jewish looking, uh, I, I, I heard all the, the negative things, you know. And I couldn't fight everybody, you know, that said a derogatory mar- remark. Right. And so I, I became, um, I felt, I, you know, I shut up unless, you know, it really got to be bad or they attacked me. And, but I felt cowardly because I felt that I wasn't defending, you know, my ethnicity, my, my Jewishness. So, so, so is there a break? So is there, is there a, a, a moment, uh, an episode in your life where, where you sort of shifted from from the belief or maybe the reliance upon God to yeah it was it was it was actually a moment my dad died when I was 19 he died in my arms right. and we believe we were actually involved in Dianetics we were involved in channeling and we were involved in all kinds of things right. and um, and I believed that when he died uh, in fact it just freaked my mother out you know I said well he's just he's just somewhere else he's, he's gonna communicate with us and you know he he'll be back you know and I really believe that, and it was, a, and uh, I had a, uh, 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 after three days, uh, what I thought was a communication from him, but I didn't have the guts to, to go in the living room because he kept calling my name. My aunt heard, uh, when I told my aunt about it the next day, she she said that she'd had, communi- he'd communicated with her, you know, so I still had that, that belief in God. And then... <clears throat> It was about three months uh, after he died, and I um, and uh, we had this small store, and and I was working in the store, and I turned around to say something to him, where he usually sat when we'd had our little conversations, and he was he wasn't there obviously, and it was like a, a board hitting me across the head, and then I just said I can't tell you what I said on the radio, but uh, that was the end of God for me. I thought. There's no God. This is ridiculous. Why am I believing this invisible force is there? There's nobody. You're, you're, you're here in the universe all by yourself, and you better get used to it. And that's when I started developing the intellectual uh, reasoning to uh, justify a belief in no God. But uh, like I said, it was just strictly, uh, it was emotional. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. intellectual. Yeah, it's, it's, it seems as if... Uh, everybody, everybody, maybe has their own path to belief or disbelief. It's, it's really, I mean, everybody is also s- sort of raised I, within s- some form of religion, or, or even, or even uh, non-religion, uh, secular uh, household. Yeah. But it seems at some point in time, everybody has to face the question. Uh, this is Philip Mirton. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion. We're talking with Dr. Robert Rose about what it means to be an atheist. Now, now, Doctor, 
let's let's focus in on something here, and that is when when in your mind is atheism a disbelief in the God or gods of the Bible? Let me, or it or is it also a disbelief in in say the Eastern religion conception of God, uh, such as Brahman or a ground of being? Uh, is it is it a is it a is your form of atheism both in, in other words do you believe as well that there is no such like underlying unity to uh to the world behind the scenes well i, I don't think i can uh, i don't think i can prove that you know i i feel that you know the universe is obviously uh uh some kind of clockwork you know it, it works you know, things happen, and, uh, and and as science has progressed, we have more and more answers. And a lot of the things that people say, well, you know, there's no scientific proof for that. Well, I say, well, there, there wasn't scientific proof for a lot of stuff that there is now, and there probably will be later. Right. But the thing that, that I was talking with Malcolm uh, out loud was the idea that, uh, you know, <clears throat> When you start talking about uh, something that can't be proven, it, it turns out usually into an argument that's emotional. And so I, I, I don't get into that argument anymore. I don't feel that I need to destroy somebody else's belief. I think all the religions have their own beauty. They have their own strength. And as a reading teacher, uh, you know, one of the things that I, I tried to figure out uh, was uh, were these books, you know, that are allegedly allegedly written by God or through amunensis or something like that, where God spoke through them? That uh, uh, from a reading teacher and a writing teacher, I can see where, you know, there are so many errors. It's so easy to make mistakes. So that's how I rationalize, you know, that God didn't didn't make those things. People made it. And and the thing about the the the, the conception of God. And I call it the concept of God, is that the 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 human conception of God? I think is very, for many people, is very narrow, and uh, that bothers me. That uh, that that when when I if I had a God that I if I believed in God, I would want a God that was didn't sound like a human being. I felt that the uh, that the God of the Old Testament sounded like a, a bitter a bitter human being you know I mean if you don't like him if you don't pray to him why well, he's gonna smite you and uh, and and you know when he did in Sodom Gomorrah you know and he destroyed supposedly you know these cities because the people were bad people and I thought well what kind of God is that I mean he makes human beings and then he destroys them because they're, they're acting humanly you know I mean we're we're basically, you know, physiologically, we're animals, and and uh, so he doesn't go on smiting animals, you know, uh, for for not doing the right thing because they do what they have to do, and and we seem to be we as human beings do things that seem to reflect us. We have never come to grips with our aggression. We have never come to grips with our sexuality, uh, our aggressiveness, uh, our aggressiveness. You know, comes from the fact that we need to be uh, aggressive to be able to survive, and our sexuality comes from enormous need to reproduce. And these things are both built into our genetics, and, and we and and religion is, I think, in many cases, a way for us to deal with both. And I don't think we've dealt with it very well, and that's why I go to, uh, you know, let let's in this case let's be more rational, you know. And uh, but uh, I haven't come up with <laughs> with yeah. the right answers for these things either. Well, well, there there's there's something going on right now in in scientific theory, and I alluded to it earlier. And actually, new books such as *The Grand Design* by Stephen Hawking and *The Hidden Reality* by Brian Greene are are putting the issue in in very sharp terms and and right now for right now the question is does science and this is really cosmology need a multiverse to explain the fine-tuning in in the universe in, in the cosmos in other words 
how is it that the clockwork universe seems peculiarly uh, adapted to allow life to exist? Or is there some intelligence behind the scenes? A lot of people view that as a vote between science and creationism. And you know that you're always going to lose the argument if you're voting for creationism. I mean, not that there's not some good arguments in favor of creationism, but in today's modern culture, you're not going to be viewed as being on the right side of that issue. But, but where, where I think it's so, it's so important to, to focus on is, that, is this question of scientific theory and the fact that there's so many holes in the theory their theory of everything, for example, doesn't even include spirituality or religion or the paranormal or the supernatural. It just pushes those features of human life outside of the discussion. And so where that leads, to me, I think, is that I think we need to have a broader perspective. I think we need to evolve, raise our consciousness to take a bigger view of things. Now, I, I think that what you're saying in your book and what you're saying on, on, on the show, there's a lot of truth to what you're saying, and I, and I agree with a lot of it in the sense that as human beings, we have to take responsibility for our own actions. We can't rely upon some mysterious, invisible creature out there guiding things and making us good people. Uh, I, I completely agree with that. And, and I also think what's different about what you're saying, I'd like you to talk about a little bit, is your concept of mutual respect. You're not what I would call an aggressive atheist. Not you're at not, all, right. You're not pounding the table like, per, like, like some people would, such as maybe Richard Dawkins, and saying you're basically less informed if you believe in God. A lot of people take that, take that perspective. Why don't you explain what you mean by the, by mutual respect? Because you capitalize those terms in your book. Well, the, that that is the the basis, and um, you know, if, when I when I started writing the book years ago, and it's, this is this has been probably about the sixth or seventh uh, uh, time I've tried to rewrite it. Yeah. I had this idea that uh, I wanted to take atheism and make it into a religion. Um, my wife and I went to, because uh, uh, well, she's Catholic, she was Catholic, and uh, we tried to find something that would make us both happy, so we went to U Unitarian Church, and um, and we went there, and uh, and we came out, and uh, she says, well, what do you think? They're really interesting and everything. And I said, well, it's like going to a college uh, uh, class. You know, I said that uh, to me it was empty. Uh, I, I could get that from reading a book. Uh, I liked the, the, the minister. He was a, a very intelligent man. But I said, if I'm going to go back to a religion, if I'm going to have a religion, I'd go back to Judaism. I said, because there's a richness to the rituals and all of that. It's an emotion. The religion gives you, reaches your emotional brain more than your heart. In fact, one one of my guests, uh, we talked about the heart itself, right. and the heart is uh, has uh, he says has forty thousand neurons, and there's more messages going from your heart to your brain than vice versa. So there there's things that we're finding out that that show that emotion, you know, and I, and I talk a lot about on my show about the emotional brain and how in education we're we're ignoring that. We we try to teach to the to the uh, prefrontal lobe, and, and everything goes through the emotions. So I want I would want my religion to be emotional. I would want my idea of God to be uh, to be something that is uh, more than me, more than a human being. You know. Well, I want to stop. I, I want to pause right there and interrupt you for a second because I I think what you said is very important, I, and I want and I like to have the listener. Uh, focus on that because because by emotional I I'm reading I'm I'm interpreting what you're saying as as a connection that the individual has a connection with their religion that that it's yeah. not it's not as if and frankly this is one of my issues with some forms of Christianity where where you're constantly in the state this this worshiping mode where where you don't have this 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 uh this connection with 
with spirit or with God. And, and I do think that, you know, you come from a somewhat of a unique standpoint because you were, you were, you were raised in Judaism. And I guess, okay, now you're married to a Catholic and you've, and you've been to the Catholic Mass. And so you have that contrast. But I think that's it's very telling because I think that's what's missing in, in, in today's religion for many people and why there's so many people practicing yoga or going on spiritual retreats or reading books by Deepak Chopra and many others they're trying to find a connection with this source with with the source or with the energy field or with whatever or the quantum field whatever we're calling it and and, and so I think that that is so important because I happen to think that that the early uh, Hindus we're, we're, we're right. I think the self is part of Brahman. I think Atman is part of Brahman. I think the self is part of God. And so, so all, I'm, all I'm saying here is that when we feel that connection, we, it, 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 it rings true to us. And, and so I just wanted to emphasize that point, Doctor. I'm sorry for interrupting you, but I, I thought that that was a very important point you were making about the emotional connection. Well, you, you know, on my show, like... Uh, like I said, the the idea of mutual respect was a thing that would surprise people. I would get people on that would, um, you know, <laughs> they were like, they started out, uh, you could hear in their voice, they were like attack dogs. Right. And it would only take me about five or ten minutes, and, uh, and, and their whole demeanor would change. It was the same thing I did when I was a teacher talking to parents or kids when they were in, in, in like almost in a rage mode and, and by being calm and being respectful to them. Uh, understanding that they, that, that, that they believed what they're, they're saying, you know. And even though I don't have to agree with them, I have to, as, as a, a person that believes in mutual respect, I have to respect the idea that wherever it comes from or however it, 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 it developed in them, you know, it's, it's real. It's, it's, it's who they are. And if you, if you start telling them, you know, you're an idiot or you're, that's wrong or something yeah. like that, yeah. you're not going to get anywhere. Yeah, anyway, I mean, anyway how, do, how do I know? Uh, you know, I haven't been in that person's shoes. I try on the show to, to get in their shoes so that I, I, I you know, I, I develop um, uh, empathy. I mean, I feel, and and uh, what I'm what I'm saying is that, in mutual respect, you're actually feeling the other person. You're not just trying to, you know, to say, well, let's say he's he's uh, he's this, he's a liberal, he's a libertarian, he's a you know. Right. Well, I, I, the labels, the labels are are ways that our brain has to has to use to have uh, while we're trying to make sense of things, but. Um, uh, what I try to do is withhold judgment. I mean, I judge all the time because that's right. what the brain does. Right. But I withhold judgment and I give the person a chance to, to explain what he feels or what he thinks. Well, well isn't, the, I, isn't that a feature of, I'll tell you, that is, I mean, I tell people there's a couple good things about getting older. One of them is that, I've, is that speaking for myself, I've made so many mistakes that I've learned a lot, and so and so you can't possibly make that many mistakes when you're young. I mean, the, you know, mistakes build up, and therefore, if if you're halfway intelligent, you'll learn from them at least after you make them a few times. But one of the things that I and and again, I want to underscore something you're saying here that's very important, which is the concept of of talking somebody out of their beliefs, or or being aggressive in your argument it doesn't tend to convince people i mean in 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 my field as a lawyer trying to convince somebody that they're wrong in in the space of say a 15 minute argument is never going to work the right. only the only way it it works is if you make your points as you're saying in a calm way you give them some things to read and they sleep on it and 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 then and 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 as the, that old saying goes, it's it's better for somebody to come up with the idea themselves or to think that it's their own idea than than an idea that somebody else implanted into their brain, and and I think that that is just so so much more true in this concept uh, or this field of religion and God, because to me that's this is like the the, the same point on steroids because 
we are born and and raised with these beliefs. It it goes to the core of our of our beings, and it to me it doesn't mean these these topics are untouchable. Otherwise, I would never be doing this show. But it's <laughs> but it but it's something it's something it's something that over time, and I do think to me there's an intellectual component. There's an experiential component. There's reading. There's life. There's um, there's conversations like this. There's open-mindedness. I mean, the uh, Sandra Sneed, who I had on last week, was a, a science writer, atheist, and she's writing in her journal during a period where she lost her job and is going through a divorce, and sh- and she felt that God was talking to her in her journal. This was people have these experiences all all yeah. the time, and that's the, that's the kind of stuff that convinces you. Not not you or me telling somebody, you, you know, you need to believe in God or not believe in God because if you want to be, you know, right or if you want to be intelligent, that's what you have to do. So sure. so it's it's so it's so true. This is Philip Mirton. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion. I'm speaking with Dr. Robert Rose, the author of the book Godless and the Good Life, and also the host of the radio show Rewiring Your Brain. I would like to make a little pivot here because I don't because of your your um, experience as a teacher. I'd like to ask you about what you think about teaching religion in school. Well, that that gets me. That gets to one, one of the core issues with me. You know, what what I object to about uh, is not the concept of God. It's it's the abuse of the concept of God. And, and, and I, I, I wish I had said that better in the book, because uh, talking to people, I think I've got more clarity on that. But uh, it scares me how people take the concept of God, because uh, like you're saying, I, I believe in most decent people who are uh, people who are uh, religious and show mutual respect, uh, they don't use God as a weapon to hurt other people. But a lot of people will take the concept of God and take things from the books like, like some of the Muslim fanatics do, some of the Christian and, and Jewish fanatics, you know, they, they will take uh, portions of it, you know, and then I could argue with them about it, you know, uh, what that passage means or something like that. But the point is they are emotionally involved and they take the concept of God and they abuse it to use it against other people, and that's where mutual respect would not, you know, if, if you're practicing what I call mutual respect, you just can't do that with somebody. You just wouldn't do that with someone. But uh, now in the schools, uh, teachers are terrified of teaching science. I've talked to a lot of science teachers, and a lot, some of them are quitting wow. because they feel that uh, mainly the Christian right, you know, and creationism. Yeah, so inhibits them. They're they're afraid of saying anything, because they could uh, they would they would ruin you know their their career. They would constantly be under attack. Now, when I was teaching, one of the, and I always encouraged my student teachers to teach whatever they wanted, you know, and I wanted them to to practice it. And I had one gal that was very religious, and I told her, well, teach religion. And she said, well, you can't do it in the schools. I said, well, I, I, <laughs> I get away with everything because <laughs> the, the, the parents like me, you know, I, I show respect for the parents and the kids. And the district just kind of ignores a lot of the stuff that I do because I, 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 I pave the way to be able to get away with it with parents. And uh, the parents understand that uh, they're welcome to come in any time stay as long as they want, not the 20 minutes that usually the parents are given. I say, you can stay all day. You can listen to everything I say. You can write it down. You can, uh, you can tape record it. I don't care, you know, that I I feel I can explain everything that I'm doing is helping kids. And I said, if you find that I'm not, I'll change. I said, because I don't know all the answers and I don't claim to know all that. This is what I have, what I am up to this point. And so she started to teach it. And the only thing that I really uh, helped her understand was that, you know, she, in discussions with the kids, because she talked about Christianity, and uh, I said, you're giving Christianity, you know, uh, 
more than it than than you're giving other religions. You're not giving a balance. I said you're not letting the kids make up their mind. You're making up their mind. Yeah. You are taking what I would say now, the concept of God and and cramming it down their throat in the forms of Christianity. Yeah. And I said that that's not what I want you to do is to stimulate their mind, so they can choose. They can think about it. Yeah. And of course, she was she's raised. You know, that you do cram it down because it's the right answer, you know. Yeah, well, that's a problem. I mean, I, I had, if I had, if I had my way, I, I would be as radical as saying that there should be a core curriculum and there at least needs to be a core curriculum um, in, in college and even in high school. But I, I really think comparative religion is something that should be taught in the schools because I would... There's a lot of truth to what the Dalai Lama does in his kinship of faith model, where he, he believes that there is an underlying compassion to all religions and that religions need to understand each other. It's very similar to what you're saying, the, you know, yeah. the, uh, the mutual respect. But, we, but you, you, we, we have so many misperceptions of of other religions because we because many people are cloistered within their with their own belief system and they're taught as you're saying they're taught that there is no other way there is no other truth in, in the in the paper in the paper today and we're doing this interview a couple days after they found the last uh, bomber in the Boston Marathon there is an article in the paper about how the Muslim community is concerned about the backlash Right, which which I think is it's it's such a sad commentary, on on the way we think, that we can't you know that many people associate okay terrorism with Mus with with Islam, and that's only and chiefly it's because we don't understand, here you know here we are we're supposed to be the most uh, advanced civilization in the history <laughs> of the world. And all these fancy scientific instruments, you know, the Hubble telescope and the Large Hadron Collider and all these, the space station, challenge, on and on and on. And we can't even understand the, the world's great religions. I mean, it, it really, to me, it's, 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 it's a sad commentary. And I think that, you know, we all have an interest in education, Doctor. And I think that the fact that you have a long history is great. But, but I, I'm a firm believer that that's the secret. We, we need to increase the education of our young people. Well, um, I noticed when, the, when we were teaching, uh, and no matter what it was, like uh, let's take something from um, National Geographic, you know, and, and we talk about some of the beliefs of some of the people, and they, the kids would start to laugh, say, that, that is so stupid, you know. <laughs> and I'd say, well, uh, yeah, from your standpoint, yeah. I said, but uh, let's take some of the things that you believe, you know, and I would say, do you think that they you can really explain them, you know, and 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 don't you think other people might think that that's stupid? And I said, my my point is, is I see people from different religions. The the thing that I don't like about the concept of God is they they use their religion and say, well, I'm right and you're wrong. Why can't we all be right to some degree? Right. And that's what mutual respect is about. You know, let's look at what we have to share our common humanity. And, and and appreciate that and, and uh, relish it, and uh, and and that way we will be closer, and uh, that's that. I guess that's my message, and uh, that's why I get along so well with everybody. Well, I think you know it's 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 sort of my standpoint too, because I mean I I happen to think that that there is one truth, that there is one uh, theory, a a unified theory. Uh, I th I have my own beliefs, which are in 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 my own book, The Heaven at the End of Science. But again, I I don't think that you convince somebody of the truth by beating by beating it over their head, right? Or 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 by or by ruling them out. I I I think Sherlock Holmes put it something like, uh, after all the impossible theories are eliminated, the truth remains standing, or something. I don't know if it was Sherlock Holmes or or some <laughs> or somebody else. Maybe I'm, I think I might be mixing quotations there, but but anyways, the point being that that we that we have to keep an open mind. We have to show respect, and we have to show understanding 
because nobody has it all figured out. See, I think I think that's that to me is the main point. And and right. I I have various scientists on this show. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had a gentleman who who wrote the book uh, The Four Percent Universe, uh, Richard Panic, which is about dark matter and dark energy, which which are dark deep mysteries of the universe and he and he specifically says they don't understand these two phenomena <laughs> and, and and you know i his the very first question i asked him was what's dark matter he says well if you have an answer you, you're going to win the nobel prize i said well that's that's great you just wrote a whole book about it but but <laughs> but but the point is is that is that we have to keep this open-minded stance and 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 frankly, I am not a big fan of anybody circling the wagons and saying this viewpoint is correct or not correct because you sort of have to keep a little room for doubt. And I, I do think that is the the scientific mindset. Uh, the, the well, I think that uh, the, one of the things that I think with people that are very deeply religious, I say you you kind of when you when you don't have an open mind when you don't see that there is a possibility of error right. you're trading uh security for freedom and and what I've done as uh, as an atheist I guess is I'm more interested in freedom of thinking than in security but when I when I was told that I had multiple myeloma and uh, and I looked it up. Uh, the doctor just called me on the phone and said, "Well, we think you have multiple myeloma. We're going to take some more tests." And 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 and, and, he, and I said, "What's that?" He says, "Well, we'll explain to you, uh, you know, in another time and everything." <laughs> he said, "But we don't have it. We don't have the the final answers yet." So I went on the internet and I, I looked it up, and sure enough, I had six months to twelve months to live. Mm-hmm. I thought that son of a bitch, you know, he 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 just gave me a death sentence yeah. and didn't even take the time to to have me come in and tell me face to face, you know, yeah. and uh, so I had a couple of days there, and uh, you know uh, they say an atheist when they're faced with death, you know, they all became religious. Well, I didn't, and and I kind of surprised myself because I thought maybe they'd be right, yeah. but I wasn't. I I looked at it and I thought, well, I've had a great life. I have a wonderful wife and children. I've had a wonderful career, you know, and now the radio show. I said, um, and I've lived a long life already. That was about a year, or, year or two ago, and uh, I have nothing to to regret. You know, I mean, I have regrets, but there's, I've had a good life, and uh, that should be enough for anybody. And uh, and I surprised myself, and I didn't, I didn't feel I had to uh, accept the idea that that God was going to take me or something like that, and I was very comfortable with it. And it, like I said, it surprised me because I thought, you know, like uh, atheists, there's no atheists on the battlefield. Well, I think there is. Well, that, that you don't have to have the concept of, of God. But I do think that you have to have what you're saying. And, and, I, and I'm getting closer and closer to believing something like that, Phil, is that, you know, there is, there is more out there that, that we don't know. A lot of the people that I talk to with, uh, you know, have paranormal experiences. Some of them, I, you know, I think they're just little little nutsy, but some of them, uh, the experiences they've had and the experiences that I've had, you know, we just can't explain everything. So keep an open mind, like you say, and that's what I hope to do. Well, that, I hope to continue doing. Well, that's, that's good. This is Philip Mirton. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion. We're talking to Do- Dr. Robert Rose about his book, Godless and the Good Life. And we're, we're going to talk a little bit now about what religion is. And, and this, this is, I think, one of the really puzzles of, of our modern world, and in fact of intellectual history, which is defining the term. And I don't, I don't know if it can be defined, but, but one, of the, one of the things in the beginning of the show that you were talking about, about... Um, about religion and about the need for people to have religion that, and that were really insignificant. You use the term that when you look up at the grand universe, it's pretty clear that we are insignificant if size is the criteria. But to me, one of the, one of the features of religion to me is is this is this a deep emotional belief or maybe yearning. For something better, for a better world, 
for a better life. And 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 that's that's what I think it's so it's so hard to pull people out of that because to me religion is is a lot a lot of it's about hope. And and so if we're insignificant then I think a lot of people hope to be significant or they hope they there there's a striving for something grander. And, and and so that's why and I don't know frankly whether you need a god to to uh, fill in that picture but but I think that to me that's why religion is so pervasive because we have so many people who want something better I agree with you and, I, and, that, and that's what I you know that's what I set out to do when I uh, when I thought I was going to create a religion yeah. of ath based on ath <laughs> atheism yeah. of course that's really kind of a contradiction in some ways yeah. but uh, you know, and then I failed. Yeah. yeah and 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 the failing, you know, as you as you know, is in the book. You know, I try to give what I called, you know, the rituals. And I thought maybe if people had rituals that 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 uh, they could share, that they would get something. What 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 I um, what I uh, had as a kid, you know, as a as a five and six year old Jewish kid, you know, and loving God. Right. And um, but I, I I failed miserably. And, uh, and I realized, uh, and I, I think I've written that too, you know, I said, uh, I wouldn't belong to my own, <laughs> I wouldn't yeah. belong to my own religion. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it doesn't have enough emotion. Yeah. You know, it yeah. doesn't deal with your feelings. Yeah. And, and I really can't explain a lot of stuff, yeah. you know. And uh, religion gives people uh, an explanation and gives gives hope. And that's why I've never tried to convince my children or you know, or my wife, or any of my friends, you know, that they should be atheists, yeah. because I don't feel that it does give, uh, it does give the, the the answers that religion can give people. My only, as you as you see, my my biggest re reaction against religion and the idea is the concept of God when it's being abused. Yeah. And uh, you know, and I've written about abuses of power in education too. You know, I, I don't like any kind of abuses of power, and. Uh, but uh, that's what we humans do, you know, as soon as we get a little power, we tend to abuse it. Yeah. Whether you're a parent or a teacher or a CEO of a corporation, you know, you and that's why we need balance. And um, we need someone to balance it. We're, we're off balance in our, you know, in so many of our, our institutions. And I think we're off balance in our religions because... I, I think it's possible for someone to believe to be a Catholic or a Jew or a Brahmin or whatever it is, you know, and a Hindu, and, 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 but still look at other people and say, well, I think it's wonderful that you have that now, and it's wonderful that you believe that, as long as you don't kill me because I, yeah. I don't happen to agree with you, you know? Well, is it, isn't it, would we live in a much better world if we started with the concept of mutual respect? Yeah. Passion, or start that off as the number one priority. And in fact, I think we're harking back to Confucius, by the way, who, who said something like, uh, you know, if you put if you put your sights on humanity, you'll never be lost, or something like that. I mean, Confucius, to the extent that he wrote any of his famous Analects, you know, the the old uh, the famous Chinese philosopher. Uh, he was a big humanist, and I think we lose sight of that, Doctor. And I think that's one thing that, it, to me, it's pretty hard to argue against the proposition that, to the extent religions put put uh, beliefs in in in, a, in God or in the scriptures or in something above humanity, that they've got their priorities mixed up. Yes, I yes. real I I completely agree. I completely agree with that. And I think that's one of the big failings. I mean, I in my own book. I mean, if you go back to what the the um, the messengers of God, such as uh, Muhammad or Jesus Christ or Moses, are really saying, they're always putting humanity first. They're always doing that. If you actually read what they wrote or said, it's it's just that after the fact, we have a lot of people interpreting what they're saying. Uh, as indicating that they are authoritative religious figures that need to be worshipped in order to get favors in, in this life or some afterlife. I mean, I'm also sort of skeptical about some of these things. But, yeah. but, I, but I want to now say something on the radical side, if I haven't done that already, uh, it, which, which goes to uh, 
what you're what you're saying and and some other parts of it I would agree with I I view it as this is the radical part I view it as uh, over time we sort of have a cup that's filled with water it's called the God cup and then we have the cup that's 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 mankind humankind it's empty and over time the cup of God is sort of poured into the cup of mankind humankind and we start and we start becoming our own person without reliance upon an external God. And, and to me, that is sort of maturity. It's growing up. It's understanding, and this is where I get radical, it's understanding that the God is within us. And, and, and so that's, that, I think, is consistent with some of the new age thinking out there, uh, the new spiritualism, the rise in consciousness, and all these other things it, 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 without making it sound real fancy, what it really means is growing up. <laughs> I think that's really what it means. It means becoming a, a you know, a full person, and not needing a, a, an external god or creature to base your. Well, that's what I that's what I try to do in my teaching. Yeah, I try to empower the kids, and I did do that, and because uh, I and and when you empower kids and 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 get justice. And that's one of the things that I don't see happening a lot of times with religious people. They don't think in terms of true justice. They just think about how how they think about things. But what I try to do is is to make a classroom that is so safe that kids feel that they're going to get justice, they're going to be heard. And when you do when you put those things in the classroom, and that's in my book, The Complete Teacher, how to do that, uh, the kids change. They actually change their whole life. Yes. They become empowered, and when they come become empowered, they begin to take responsibility for their actions. And when people start taking responsibility for their actions, I think that they're going. They do show mutual respect. But you have to give people the chance to grow into that, and you can't force it. Coercion doesn't work. Persuasion doesn't work. It's opportunities for the people to experience life to make mistakes, to learn from the mistakes, and become better people. And that's how mutual respect, I feel, has developed. Yeah, and I think that's a, that's a great way to end the show. And um, I would like you to just tell a little bit about your own radio show and how people could find out a little bit more about you. Uh, Doctor, I know you have a lot going on. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, really. so, so why don't we meet for... for uh, I mean, I, and I'm not going to reveal your age because I think you're young at heart, but you you definitely are active, uh, more active than most people, uh, having having uh, been through what you've been through. So why don't you tell folks how to how to find out more about you? Well, first I'll tell people my I'm 81 years old. I'm in good health, and I'm very much in love with my wife, and she's sitting here, and and she's in love with me, and, and this is uh, uh, great because we we disagree on. On some key things, you know, like we said, she has God in her heart, and I'm an atheist. But yet, we we love each other very deeply, and and this is what's important. And so that's what I try to get in my books. And you get my books, uh, you can get them on Barnes and Noble and Amazon, all those places. You can also go to www.imaginativecurriculum.com, and you can hear about some of my books. I'd like you to uh, go to my blog talk radio, which is www.blog talkradio.com with a slash and an IC Dr. Rose. And I have all kind of fascinating people like Philip <laughs> who will be coming on very soon on my show again. And uh, and you will see that uh, whether we agree or you've already heard on this program that uh, I, I live by, by the mutual respect concept that I have in Godless and the Good Life. And Philip, thank you very much for giving me such a good uh, chance to explain my ideas. Well, well, thank you, thank you very much, Doctor. And I'm looking forward to being on on, on your show uh, in in June, where we will, where we will reverse chairs <laughs> and and hopefully come to the same sort of conclusion, which is that we are making progress, but we don't have it figured out. Uh, in in the beginning of this show. Uh, I asked the question whether it was possible to have a godless religion, and, and the name of the show uh, I've titled is a, God, is a Godless Religion Possible. Now, my own answer is no. For in any religion, the God will be either the God overhead or the man or woman 
who has God inside themselves. This is Philip Merton. This is Conversations Beyond Science and Religion. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to Conversations Beyond Science and Religion with Philip Merriton. To find out more about Philip and his new book, The Heaven at the End of Science, visit heavenattheendofscience.com.